Welcome this morning to Willow Park Church. We're delighted that you have taken the time to join us, that you're with us, that we're going to enjoy some worship together, and then we'll be unpacking uh, some truth about the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit this week about the power of assurance and the way that the Holy Spirit seals our hearts to know that we are truly saved. Some people uh, are anxious about the fact, are they saved or not? And how do they know that they are saved? Well, we talk about the beauty of the Holy Spirit and that assurance. You're in for a great times of teaching, whether in mission or at Highway 33, and I know God will bless you. And as we step into the worship time, may he fill you and encourage you and lift you up at this time. Father, thank you that we can gather together this way. Bless us. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Enjoy the worship. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to Church Online. We're Willow Park Church and we're here to do some worship. And why don't you lift your voices with us wherever you are at. We are all together now as we lift our voices in praise to the Lord.
God, you are so good, so worthy of our praise. We're joining the angels in heaven as they swirl around that throne, as the elders cast down their crowns. We're all hailing the power of Jesus' name. There's power in your name, and we are here to proclaim it and claim it and sing about it in Jesus' name. instant out of nothing you created the universe all powerful Lord you hold the world in your hand you hold all creation in your hand all powerful Lord you humbled yourself and became one of us to come rescue us to die for us how could you do that how could you leave that throne Yet that was the only way.
To the cross I look To the cross I cling Of its suffering I do drink Of its work I do sing For on it my Savior Both bruised and crushed Show that God is love And God is just At the cross you beckon me You draw me gently to my knees I am lost for words so lost in love
surrendered. You did it for us, for all of us. We can't thank you enough. But here we are in your church that you built with your blood, with your sacrifice and your resurrection. And now we have the Holy Spirit that joins us all together in this beautiful thing we call life and this beautiful hope we call eternal life. All because of you, great and powerful world. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Enjoy the rest of the service. God bless you all. What great worship. Such a wonderful band. So enthusiastic and good to connect and to lift our hearts towards the Lord. No doubt you know at this time we take a moment to remember our Lord Jesus Christ. All that he meant to us. The way that he gave his life for us. And I know that as we hold the bread, it reminds us of his body that was broken for us. He paid the price for our sins. Take a moment now to give thanks for the cross and for the work of Christ as his body was broken for us. Father, thank you for Jesus who obediently and willingly went to the cross. His body was broken for us and we remember his death. The body of Christ broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of him. The wine, the blood of Jesus that was shed for us so that we may be pure, holy, clean, redeemed, forgiven, set free. He paid the price for us. He atoned for our sins. The blood of Jesus that takes away the sins of the world. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. And we love these moments to pause before you and to honour your name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, let's hear what's going on in the life of Willow Park Church. And then we'll step into our teaching about the empower. Empowered up, work of the Holy Spirit. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining us at Church Online. Here is your family news. Registration is now open for our in-person kids camp happening July 26th to 29th. This half-day camp will be lots of fun for kids age 4 to completed grade 4. 
But that's not all. We're also running a preteen adventure camp for kids who have completed grade four or five. This camp is happening in the afternoons on July 26th to 29th and will include activities at the church as well as off-site adventures every day. Register today as space is limited. We have some exciting news for all of you who love camping. This summer you are invited to Willow Park Church at Pines Bible Camp. Camping is available July 5th to 16th and we will have special activities for all ages planned for the weekend of July 9th to 12th. Registration is now open, so be sure to register today as space is limited. We have two important meetings coming up at the end of May. Our finance meeting is happening on May 26th at 7 p.m. and our all-church meeting on May 27th at 7 p.m. Both of these meetings will be happening online using Zoom. Please register to attend at willowparkchurch.com meeting. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Hi, Willow Park Church. I want to talk to you about India. We've had a wonderful relationship with that country for, what, over 10 years with uh, our ministry there, with the children's home. But I want to encourage you in this time of the COVID pandemic to step in. We have lots of relationships with graduates, with church planters, with those who are holding together Christian community. But what we realize is that many of that community are sick with COVID. Many of them are under pressure. Even some have died. And we want to take an offering through our partner Multiply, and we want to support the effort to show the love of God to these Christian communities. Can I encourage you to give? Can I encourage you to support? We've all seen the shocking images on on our TV screens. We've seen what has been taking place. We know the massive uh, international response, our local response of mission of the church is to support these Christians, these communities, and help them get through this dark time. Will you please give? What a blessing. What a blessing it is to be able to worship, to be able to spend time with the Lord and allow the Lord to speak to us and minister to us. Well, we are on our series, which is uh, Powered Up, which is, of course, is the work of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. Let me remind you uh, that you can go to our website and join in the North Indian COVID-19 Relief Appeal. We want to support our brothers and sisters in India. We want to support pastors, uh, ex-students from the Child of Mine home, etc. You see the news reports. I see the news reports. And you can't help but be moved about what is actually going on and taking place. It's, it is absolutely... Um, heart-wrenching to see the scenes, the lack of oxygen, the, the, the people's faces. If you watch the news items without sound and just look at people's faces, you can tell how much fear there is, how much pain there is, and you can tell how much need there is. And it's our job to be able to step in and to be able to make that difference 
as we, um, as we as Christians act out our charity and our love for God. Well, as I said, we are in our Powered Up um, series. Uh, the last two weeks, it was a way of introduction, talking about the work and the filling of the Holy Spirit within our lives. And of course, I have talked about the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I spoke about 21 key aspects of the Holy Spirit, uh, theological points. One being that the Holy Spirit is, of course, God. Two, that he is a person, not an it. Three, that the Holy Spirit is eternal, is here forever. Four, is that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Five, that the Holy Spirit was present at creation, there in power and strength. Six, that the Holy Spirit was present at the formation and the writing of the Bible. And the Bible is a collection of books that is inspired by the breath and the work of the Holy Spirit. Seven, that the Holy Spirit comes to us and teaches us all things about the truth of God. Are you still with me? Eight, that we have the ability to grieve. Yes, grieve the Holy Spirit through our attitude, our bad attitude. Yeah, our bad attitude. We can grieve the Holy Spirit and we wonder why God isn't at work in our lives. We can quench the Holy Spirit by resisting him. But the Holy Spirit is the one, number 10, is the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts us of our sin, of our misbehavior. Of our bad attitude. He convicts us. 11. We know that the Holy Spirit is our guide and leads us. And I spoke last week about Morecambe Bay. And about the King's Guide or the Queen's Guide. That takes you through the tides and the quicksands and the problems. And, and that the Holy Spirit is there in this culture. At this time. With so many shifting philosophical Ideas that are opposed to core values of the biblical church. We've got to say it. There's a shift that puts us on the edge of society. What we understand is that we want to and we want to be guided by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, 12. The Holy Spirit only speaks what the Father tells the Holy Spirit to speak. They don't work outside of each other because they're Trinity. They are three in one. The Holy Spirit, of course, he has spoken the prophetic future and words of prophecy that come by the power of the Holy Spirit and that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. The age to come, those were inspired by the power of the Holy Spirit. Characters like Agabus was inspired by the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit is there to glorify the Lord Jesus. And when we're close to the Holy Spirit, we ourselves glorify the Lord Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? To glorify the Jesus and to glorify the Father, that they defer to one another, that they exalt each other, that they love each other, that they do the divine dance of eternity. 
can barely stand some of those thoughts because they're so vast and so large and so amazing. We can blaspheme the Holy Spirit through rejecting the power of the gospel within an individual's life and declaring that Jesus Christ is not Lord and is nothing. We can be in danger. There is also the area where the Holy Spirit comes and brings to mind things. 16, he comes and brings to mind things in our lives. Have you ever been at that moment when you've been praying and the Holy Spirit comes and brings those things to mind? 17, he empowers his church. He gives us the ability, the courage, the power to keep going on. 18, he gives us gifts, gifts, mercy gifts, word gifts, power gifts. Gifts that are present within the scripture that is there for us as believers. The Holy Spirit always leads people to Jesus. This week I heard that I think it was three or four people on Alpha gave their lives to Jesus Christ. (laughs) Gave their lives to Jesus. You've prayed for Alpha. You've been with us on the journey and now people are getting saved and they're reaching out for God. And that only happens through the conviction and through the guidance of the Holy Spirit at work. 19, he leads people to Jesus. 20, he puts fruit into our lives. The fruit of the Spirit, the beautiful fruit the, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control, the fruit of the spirit that is at work within our lives. And then he renews the believer. We are being filled. 21. And really, that's a flyover of 21 points of the work of the Holy Spirit. But what I want to talk to you about right now is assurance. How do you know that you are saved? Because assurance is something that is critical to our journey and our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because as you've often heard me say, the Holy Spirit comes and becomes a deposit of a down payment for what we have got in the future and the way that God uh, will redeem us. So I want to talk to you about a beautiful subject called being sealed by the Spirit. That we are sealed. There is a seal that is placed upon us. A seal is a really interesting thing. When I went to Jerusalem, the south side of the Temple Mount, we went there with our tour guide. It was a very moving moment. The steps, the ancient steps up to the temple. And of course, at this time, we pray for Jerusalem. We ask for the peace of Jerusalem. But I stood there and watched our tour guide walk up the ancient steps towards the temple. Just over to the right, if you kept walking and kept walking to the south side, I think it's called the Opel. There is a site there where archaeologists have dug down and there they discovered a Groundbreaking discovery. But the groundbreaking discovery was only a centimetre in width. It was a seal. And on that little piece of clay that was pushed down, written on and sealed, about the size of a 
old cent coin or a penny coin, just the size of your thumbnail, was written on it, King Hezekiah. This was the absolute direct proof that King Hezekiah lived and that his seal was there. What, 2,800 years ago. Even more exciting, later on, they discovered a seal with the name Isaiah on. Now, it was broken in half. It was like a half moon. So usually it would say the prophet Isaiah. But many biblical scholars and archaeologists believe that this was the seal of Hezekiah. And of course, Hezekiah's Close, confidant and prophetic lead was Isaiah. And here we have a seal at the Temple Mount of somebody called Isaiah. Of course, there were a number of Isaiahs. Uh, It was quite a, a common name. But to have it next to Hezekiah, a name Isaiah, with the room for the phrase prophet was remarkable. And it was a seal. And the seal was there. And I want to talk to you about the seal that isn't a clay seal, but it's a seal of the Holy Spirit that is placed on you and I when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we become Christians. There is a seal that takes place. It's an exciting subject. How do you know that you are saved? There's this lovely phrase that uh, Dr. Lloyd-Jones, the great British reformed preacher, preaching at Westminster Chapel there in uh, the centre of London. I've been there many times. He would talk about the immediate and direct testimony of the Holy Spirit. How do you know that you are a Christian? Because you have a sense of immediacy and direct presence of the Holy Spirit that confirms it within your life. The Holy Spirit, it is an immediate and direct thing that strikes you that you know as you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, I know that Jesus Christ is Lord. I know that. Let's start our journey in Acts chapter 5 and verse 32. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Now, this is amazing because it makes the statement that we are his witnesses of these things. Peter is speaking and he's saying we saw all these things. We saw Jesus come from Uh, the tomb. We saw Jesus crucified. We saw Jesus. We were witnesses to this. Well, of course, the apostles were present. But then he says something really interesting that you may not notice. Whom and so is also the Holy Spirit, whom God hath given to them that obey. In other words, the Holy Spirit Also witness these events. You might say, well, big deal. The Holy Spirit witnessed these events. What on earth does that mean? Well, it means that actually whom God hath given them that obey. In other words, when you obey the gospel and give your life to Jesus, God gives you the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do in your life? The Holy Spirit 
witnesses that these things are true by the power of revelation. In other words, we understand it, that this is the message of the gospel, but we experience it as a witness within us. We understand it and then we experience it. Deep down, as a witness where the Holy Spirit witnesses within us that these things are true. Peter had an advantage. He saw Jesus. He saw these things. But he's actually saying this. That even if I didn't see the the things that I saw, I would still believe because I've received the witness of the Holy Spirit within me. The Holy Spirit has come to me and the Holy Spirit has entered within me. So let's look at that verse a little bit more in detail. Him hath God exalted with his right hand, that's Jesus, to be prince and a saviour, For to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. We are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey. Now notice this. That God exalted him to his right hand to be prince and saviour. Peter did not see that happen. Peter, yes, he saw a lot more than most. But Peter did not see that moment to the right hand. In other words, what he's saying is, I'm speaking these things because I know they've happened because I've had the witness of the Holy Spirit within my heart. So I stood at the uh, tomb where Jesus was laid. I've been to Golgotha. And stood there in the church of the sepulchre. There with the rock. And there with all the gold and the crosses and the icons. And I've sat there for hours. And I've sat there and I've even reached down my hand. And felt the rock on that spot. And there's a brilliant um, documentary uh, by National Geographic. About the tomb and the time of of that particular location which is really interesting but I've been there now I do not believe that Jesus died and rose again because I sat there for hours late into the night as I drank in the atmosphere as nuns were praying as priests were coming as people from all over the world gathered and I sat there and I did not believe it because I was there Because lots of people go there. I believe it because I had the witness of the Holy Spirit within my heart that tells me that the things that are written in Scripture are true. And I had the revelation. I understand it, but I experience it and I believe it. And the Holy Spirit witnesses these things to me and to me. That's why you can believe things you haven't seen because the Holy Spirit witnesses, tells you, beautiful this is, magnificent. Because Christianity is a religion of revelation, that it comes to you. We can have knowledge, we can have belief. But when you have the witness of the Holy Spirit, it makes all the difference in our lives. 
And as Peter said on the day of Pentecost, then Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, forgiveness of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Jews on the day of Pentecost looked on and again, what is going on? What is taking place? These, these fishermen, they're full of joy. They're speaking in other languages. They are empowered. They're emboldened. They are enthusiastic. They are full of joy. Are they drunk? Are they crazy? What is going on? And Peter said to all the Jews that watched, if you repent and if you are baptized and if you believe on Jesus Christ and receive the forgiveness of your sins, you do those things, then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's telling the Jews, all of you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All of you can know that knowledge because he will come to you and he will witness within you that these things I speak are true. How do you think the Christian faith exploded all over the world? It wasn't just through good argument. Aristotle approach to debating. It wasn't just through force of personality. They went to towns and cities where people had barely gone a mile's walk away from that town and city. Barely in a day's walk. But they convinced them that a man raised from the dead. They convinced them that he's seated at the right hand of God. They convinced them. How did they convince them? Because they did not convince them. Because the Holy Spirit worked in salvation and witnessed to them that hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands became Christians because they had the witness of the Holy Spirit working within them. That's why we say the Holy Spirit is the great evangelist. He's the one. He is the great evangelist that moves and touches hearts. Now, people have agonized over assurance of salvation. And, and I want to go back to a period of history for a moment to help us understand this, this process. I want to go back to the Puritans in the 1700s, around 1640s. Those great Puritans, um, Thomas Goodwin, John Cotton, are two who particularly knew the Lord. But many other Puritans, Richard Baxter from my hometown, Kidderminster, just six miles away from where I lived, was a great Puritan preacher. And I often would walk to the church he preached in and he would, he would terrify his parishioners because every year the rector, the Puritan preacher, would come to your home and ask you, how is it with your soul? And you had to answer how the home and the family's soul was. We thought this was awesome. So at my last uh, church, my only other church, um, we devised a home visitation program for pastors like myself to ask people, how are they doing with their soul? This did not go down well. I guess the 1640s and... Uh, 
and the 2000s are very different. Like people were like, mm, I don't want to be asked that. Mm, I don't like that. How is it with thy soul? Richard Baxter. But the Puritans did have a battle, and it's well documented, is that they were so devoted to doctrine and so devoted to the word of God that often many of the Puritans did not really know an assurance of salvation. They did not know that they were saved. And so to, to work out whether they saved, they did something called the Reflex Act or Practical Synologism. This is a theological term by which you go through a reflective process to ask yourself some reasonable questions, to ask yourself the question, am I saved? So the Puritans would do this. And this is Thomas Goodwin, a good Puritan, a fine writer, a powerful uh, uh, man who had a unique relationship with the Lord. But what the Puritans would do, Goodwin was unique because Goodwin and John Cotton affirmed themselves that they knew Jesus by the witness of the Holy Spirit, not just by a mental reasoning process. In fact, when John Cotton was about to die, his Puritan pastor came to him and said, um, John, I pray, you know, that thou wast know the salvation of the Lord in your life. I kind of prayed that he would have, have peace because many Puritans died in anguish. And John Cotton famously said, dear brother, I have received the joy and the knowledge of my salvation. He knew it. But what was the reflex act? Well, number one, the reflex act was to look at yourself and say to yourself, um, do I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Because I believe, therefore, I am saved. And because I believe, therefore, I live a holy life and I keep the Ten Commandments. So my assurance comes through a kind of Aristotle reasoning, a Greek reasoning that says, I believe this, therefore this says that, therefore I am saved, therefore I live a holy life of good works that proves I'm saved and I keep the Ten Commandments. The problem with this is that many Puritans struggled to have assurance of real salvation because of what they called the reflex act. So it went something like this. One, assurance by reasoning. Two, assurance by good works. It came down to this. A major premise, major argument, followed by a minor argument, premise, led to a conclusion so that the major argument was this. All who believe in Jesus Christ are saved. Yes. The minor argument premise. I believe in Jesus Christ. Conclusion. Therefore, I am saved. That was it. That was the main way they could know they were generally converted to Christ. Through that reasoning process. 
Now, in itself, there is nothing wrong with that. That is how I know I'm saved. In itself, I have believed in Jesus Christ utterly. And therefore, I am saved. That was it. That was the main way. I have believed. There is nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with this. But there is a second step that moves us on to the point of what we spoke about at the beginning, which is the conscious and immediate knowledge of the witness of the Holy Spirit within our hearts. And what Thomas Goodwin understood and what he wrote about was that, yes, I've gone through the logical steps of belief. Yes, I have mentally believed. Yes, I have understood. But actually, the witness of the Holy Spirit and the sealing of the Holy Spirit is a direct and clear moment where you receive a revelation of your soul that you know without a doubt because the joy, the glory, the wonder, the knowledge of the Lord is within you and God has filled you with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've met many religious Puritans who believe because of a formula and it's a correct formula. And yes, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But I want to say to you that the filling of the Holy Spirit is when we go a step further and we we understand, but we also experience because we have the direct experience and knowledge that God has come to us and sealed our heart with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that's how I have assurance. See, guys come to me and I sit with them and they say, Pastor Phil, I say, yeah. How do I really know I'm saved? These are real conversations. Well, I say, I think, well, first of all, is that you have a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. And therefore, because you believed, you're saved. Yes. And do you, are you able to articulate, Jesus Christ is Lord of my life? Yes, I am. And do you believe that? Yes, I do. But how do I really know? Well, I will often say, I'll use Puritan logic sometimes. I'll say, well, do you want to be a good husband? Yes. Do you want to change your character to be like Christ? Yes. Do you want to be holy? Yes. I said, that is a sign of the conviction of the Holy Spirit within your life. Okay. I said, but it's more. Do you want to know the direct and conscious experience of the seal and the witness of the Holy Spirit within you. Yes, I do. Then what you need to do is be willing to seek that. To seek it. And I've seen countless people who have gone from a knowledge to a deep joy because they've understood the move and the work of the Holy Spirit within the words. And this is what I'll get into. So that was the Puritan's way of managing this. But let's go to then the Spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. You see, the Puritans sort of lived just simply by their doctrine. 
which is great doctrine, sovereignty of God, salvation of Christ, doctrine I love to preach. But they then lived by the knowledge of their good works and trying to be holy. But then there were guys like Thomas Cotton and uh, Thomas Goodwin and John Cotton who went farther and deeper that they experienced the inner assurance of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit could be with a person and guide a person and lead a person. You see, when we just have Bible and orthodoxy and doctrine, sometimes in some circles it takes away the ability for the Spirit to speak to us and go near and join thyself to the chariot. You see, we need that. We need both. What's wrong with the Puritans' approach? Nothing. What's wrong with being led with the Spirit? Nothing. They're both right. But what we want to live is people that know we're assured and we want to hear the voice of the Spirit when we need to go to a chariot and need to win somebody to Jesus and need to connect with somebody because we are Spirit-led and because God's Spirit guides us. God's solid foundation stands firm and sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. God's solid foundation stands firm and sealed with his inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. Imagine that seal of Hezekiah, that seal of Isaiah. It was placed and it was known that was present. You see, what does a seal do? Well, in the ancient world, a seal and even in today's society, a seal authenticates the reality of the document, one. Secondly, a seal does something. A seal affirms ownership, two. Thirdly, a seal is security that it comes from the right person and the right person will open and bring security. Fourthly, a seal affirms a person's acceptance. They are validated. They are validated. And also, we talk about a seal that says he has sealed his fate. In other words, decisions he's made, it's been sealed that this is the fate of that person. We use this in English language. Now, what I want to say to you is that when you become a Christian... You have a seal placed on your heart that validates who you are in God. And that seal is pushed in by the Holy Spirit that is present. He authenticates us. In other words, he says, you are true. You're a true believer. We have been given the authority because sons of God. We are sons of God. John 1 verse 12. We are authenticated because you and I are children of God. On the seal, it authenticates that you are a Christian. Two, he owns us. The ownership of the document is said. So that seal said that the ownership was to a man called Isaiah 2,800 years ago. The seal says... That it belonged to Hezekiah and the seal of the Holy Spirit says you belong to God. Is that amazing? 
You belong to God. He owns us. We are not our own. We are brought with a price. 1 Corinthians 2.20 Indeed, God has set his seal of ownership on us. 2 Corinthians 1.22 God has set his seal of ownership on us. On us. He has sealed you. He's placed his seal of ownership on you. The seal of God is on us as a guarantee for safety. He protects us. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all his ways. Psalm 91 11. So he authenticates our salvation. He owns us. He guards us and protects us. There is nothing greater than having the approval. You are approved of the one whose power, authority and integrity matters. Timothy had Paul's approval. I have no one else like you. He approved himself. We are approved of God because of the work of the cross. It's wonderful. And we have sealed our fate. It's what we use in English. Well, we've sealed our faith because our eternal destiny is sealed. Paul said, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You have been sealed for the day of redemption. Think about this. The day you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you accepted him as Lord and Savior. You asked him to forgive you of your sins, a seal came from heaven of the Holy Spirit and was placed in you. And that seal said, you are authentic believer. That seal said, yes, you are owned by God. That seal said, God guards over you. That seal said, you are accepted. You are welcomed. That seal said, you will be saved until Eternity, redemption, you have heaven, you have eternity, you have the future because you are sealed. Is that amazing? That's how you know you're sealed. That's how you know that it's because scripture teaches that. But let's read this verse. In whom ye also trusted... After that, you heard the word of truth. So you trusted in Jesus. You heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that you believed. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You believed and after you did all your believing... There was a sealing moment where with the Holy Spirit and the promise. And so what I absolutely believe is that we experience, yes, that we experience. We come to that point where we respond to Christ, respond to his witness. He comes to us. And it it is a conscious, direct moment when we know that we are sealed by the presence of God. So it's possible for a Christian to have the seal of the Spirit, but not have the deep 
spiritual experience that they know that they are saved and that they know that they know God. Let's move on. Objectively, all Christians are sealed with the Spirit. But not all Christians are subjectively, consciously sealed with the Holy Spirit. In other words, all Christians are sealed with the Holy Spirit. But there's a step farther. A moment when you see it. When you, afterwards, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. There's this sense when there's a moment when it all falls into place and you go, wow. I am saved. I see it. I am. I have a, a joy. I have emotion. I have God's power. I have God's strength at work. I know it because I have joy and welling up within my soul. And God is there. I've moved from it just being a understanding to an experience. I've. Consciously, I know that the assurance and the joy and the deep joy of the salvation of the gospel within my life. And nobody can take that away. I don't doubt it. And even if I was to die and face death, I would know the joy of my salvation because I'm conscious of the direct and immediate presence of God in my life. The same question could be asked, are all Christians baptized with the Holy Spirit? Objectively, yes. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. But do all Christians automatically experience the baptism with the Spirit as described in Luke or in Acts? The answer is no. Because there is a point where you and I have to surrender and we have to be willing. This is what the Puritan Thomas Goodwin understood. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as formed one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. We've all been given the one spirit to drink. But have we become so afraid to allow the spirit to work in our lives? Yes, we believe that through the preaching of God's word that was breathed by the power of the spirit, people experience it and apply it to their lives and it changes them. That is true. The preaching of God's word should change us. It's true. But there's also the moments like Philip in Acts when he sends him to the Ethiopian eunuch. There's the moment when the spirit works in you. In a way that is beautiful, guided, led in a way that is remarkable. And that makes all of the difference. And of course, there's a lot of theology about this. Pentecostals believe in a second experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Evangelicals believe that we that salvation is the baptism, but but the sealing of the spirit and the filling of the spirit is the activation of the knowledge and the joy of that. Now, however you argue it theologically, I just want to say this. Do you have it? 
Do you have the assurance, the knowledge, the deep down joy, the sense that God is with you, the sense that his spirit fills you, the sense of that joy that is there? Because it's all through the New Testament. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and the power came before that. It happened to the disciples in Acts chapter 4 verse 31. In a prayer meeting, the Holy Spirit came. It was what Peter preached and experienced in Acts chapter 5 31. The witness of the Spirit came. It is what happened when Peter preached in the house of Cornelius and the Holy Spirit fell on them. On all who heard the message. You can't delete the fact that the Holy Spirit in Luke's and Acts was dynamic, was present, was conscious, was immediate, was real, was to people. And it changed their lives. See, as R.T. Kendall says, a happening that does not affect a man's feelings, such an argument is utterly unscriptural. Not conscious, the apostles were in fact in a state of ecstasy. He noted they were accused of drinking new wine. In other words, the beauty of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ is that it's not just good works. It's that we are filled with a conscious joy that comes because we believed in the power of the gospel. And we are sealed as sons and daughters of God and we are led by God. As Dr. Lloyd-Jones says, moreover, in our fears of excess, that some who claim this experience may be guilty of we often become guilty of quenching the spirit and robbing ourselves of the richest blessing. Friends, don't quench the spirit. You've been given the spirit because you've believed. But don't stop there. Surrender your life fully to the knowledge, the direct knowledge of the spirit within your life. Don't fear it. Excess, and we hear about excess, and that's important. But the Holy Spirit will always come in love, in gentleness, and meet with us. I feel for many of my British Puritans who died believing it all but never knowing it. And then John Cotton died, and he died, what is it, in Baltimore or Boston? He died and he whispered to his pastor, I have it. I know the joy and the assurance of my salvation. So what did Thomas Goodwin say about this? Yes, you're saved. Yes, you're there. And Thomas Goodwin laid the foundation for the Methodist movement, for Whitfield's preaching, for the revivals that were taken. He would say, sue him. Sue God. This word in the 17th century meant don't give up. Hold God to his own word. In other words, don't give up. Chase God. If you are dry, if you believe, but you know that conscious and direct and immediate sense of assurance hasn't come to you. Sue God. Pursue God. Come after God with his own word, legally saying, Lord, 
Fill me with fresh joy. Fill me with peace overbound. I sue you on the power of your document to come to me, to fill me, to give me all that I need as a Christian to live this Christian life. You stayed with me for 45 minutes. (laughs) But as you can tell, it's pretty profound doctrine about being sealed by God. But why don't we now sue God? Let's come to God and say, God, come. Pastor Curtis is going to come again and he is going to come and lead us in this time of worship. He's going to come and just create a bit of space and sue God. Know that the Spirit is the witness that these things are true, that he came that he lived, that he was crucified, that he was laying in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose again. Sue God and ask God to come and come close to you and renew your faith in him at this time. Fantastic. Father, I pray that as we come to this moment in our gathering and spend time looking for the deep witness of the Holy Spirit for a not just a mental knowledge of a sealing but a sealing that comes after our belief a deep knowledge we know John Wesley believed but he got that real deep sense we know that so many people experience that deep sense when God came to them and so Lord we pray that you will meet with us now In Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit. Jesus, I have the head knowledge that I am saved. I believe in you, therefore I am saved. That's what scripture says. That is good. But even more, I feel you. I feel your presence. Holy Spirit. I remember that day you pushed me down the aisle as a child fully caught up in the joy and the rapture of your spirit with the knowledge that I am a child of God that I'm loved. So Holy Spirit I ask that you fill me again. Fill us all again with your your presence, the knowledge of your presence, your joy. We want to drink you in. We want to bathe in your glory. We want to feel you. You are the air that we breathe. is my daily bread 
This is my daily bread Your very word Spoken to me And I I'm desperate for you And I, I'm lost without you. In you I find myself. In you I identify myself. Child of God.
goodness every day, Lord. Always mindful of your grace and your love and your spirit that is within me. Let me be a light, your light, shining for you. Use me, fill me, melt me, mold me, Lord. Fill us in you with the Holy Spirit. We thank you for you. We thank you for your love, the salvation through you. eternal hope and the promise of spending eternity with you, which starts the moment we say, yes, Jesus, and you enter our hearts. Holy Spirit, we dance with you. We love you. <laughs> 